Thank you for listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please support the show by subscribing to and leaving a five-star rating for the show on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Podbean, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and any of your favorite podcast platforms. You can also support the show by going to our website, blackandgoldhockey.com, where there's always exciting articles by the BNG writing staff. While you're there, don't forget to click on the fanatics.com banner for a great sports fan shopping experience. Are you, are you done yet? We're going to start the show. Everyone's fans, welcome back to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. This is episode 231. I'm your host, Mark Allred. We are recording on June 13th, 2021, and this show is brought to you by betonline.ag. Please go to betonline.ag and use code CLNS50 to get a sweet-ass sign-up bonus when you make your first deposit. Yep, we're back. We I, we, we apologize for the, uh, the, the week's hiatus last week. We had a little bit of a little bit of everything happened, so we, we just canceled it and uh, did not go through with it. So, uh, But uh, before I get into all that crap, uh, I want do want to talk about my friend Heather and bring her right into the program because she is ready to rock and roll on this episode 231. Yeah. Heather, what's up? Nothing, what's up? I am trying to bring my smile, but that might be a little too much. I can bring my energy and I can bring me, but I don't know. I'm just trying to... <laughs> How's things, but I know it's been a couple weeks almost. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it has been some time. We, um, we, when, when we were going to record, the Bruins were well involved into the series against the New York Islanders. And uh, when we didn't record, it was just coming down to like crunch time of the series and if they're going to survive. But mm-hmm. um, let's just get jump right into it and talk about um, what happened with, with um, you know, winning a series against the Washington Capitals 4-1 to one, Having some time off, I think it was four to five days off, I believe, uh, before the New York Islanders series, and then starting the series off okay, but then the ending was just—it was just a—I don't want to say a massive failure. I just think that the team was just tired and, and unprepared. That can contribute to being a massive failure. Like there can be reasons why there was a massive failure, but yeah, um, yeah, it was a well. Between both of us, we did not want to see the Islanders for kind of the exact reason that we watched unroll through these six games, right? Uh, the first four games were like a series should be, and the wheels came flying off in the last few games, just here, there, and everywhere. So 
I'll give it to those Islanders though. They are a patient, very structured, very disciplined team. They just hover and hover and hover until they do whatever they want to do with you. But I don't know. Where do you want to go? What do you want to talk about specifically in the series? Like I said, the the first few games weren't so bad. We lost game two, but like still it was a series. We were playing exactly the way the whole series for the year went. Go ahead. What are your thoughts? I just, I just want, like I said, I wanted to touch on the first series against Washington Capitals too. But and I, which I thought with the Bruins were the, the dominant team in that series. I know that the the four to one freaking series win just uh, shouts out, you know, it was really good. But it was it was a grinding series, and, and we kind of knew that that was going to happen between the Capitals and and Hathaway and and that idiot. I keep forgetting his name because I can't Tom stand Wilson. him. Yeah, Tom Wilson. I just thought that that series was going to be the grinding one, and then we come into the the New York Islanders series, second round. And that was wicked physical, wicked physical. Mm. And Mm. the injuries and everything like that. But this series, the five days off, I just thought that the Bruins would be more prepared for for the New York Islanders. And particularly the way this Boston Bruins team played after the trade deadline, when they got Lazar, they got Hall, and they got uh, Riley involved into the mix and made immediate impacts to the lineup. And what jumped out to me was they won the last three games against the Islanders that they played two in regulation and one in overtime or shoot. No, it was overtime. So, and one was a shout out by the way, took a shout out. Um, so that I just, I want to know where we lost transparency in, in, in between both series to have the results that we're seeing right now with, with, with the Boston Bruins are out of the playoffs and, and the Islanders move on. Um, I agree with you that this series was way more physical than I thought it was going to be. Not because I think the Islanders don't have stand-up guys, but that's just not really their style. You know, they're not like a a wicked bang, bang, you know, slamming team. But the Capitals, we were lucky in the sense that the Capitals were beat up, but they still were as physical as they always are and kind of beat their own selves up a little bit too in that first series. But we absolutely played better hockey than them, and that's why Ovi was losing his – crap on the other side because he knows that they're better than they were playing against us. I think about around game three in this series, Barry Trot started getting his team started getting in the Bruins heads. I don't know if it was in Cassie's head and the whole team's head, if just like, but any little bit in the playoffs throws everybody off. The second line got shut down. The first line was humming, but really only Marshawn was producing third and fourth lines. I want all these people off my team at this point. Like I, I know in reality, that's not going to happen. I don't really mean that in my heart. Like, but honest to God at this point, as much as I love Sean Corrali, I need to, if they sign him, it better be to dump him in Seattle. Cause he made the number of games played in the previous season. I can't watch you play hockey anymore. Like, and what I think bothered me most, this series might have been a little different series besides, you know, Carlo went out, whatever. Just a lot of things we got more beat up as it went. So that didn't help. But just like for me, the third and fourth line made me, like I was joking earlier, like uh, DMX, y'all going to make me lose my mind. Like I, I, how is it possible that that many people, and even with Lazar going out, that many people with the scoring ability between them can't do anything. That being said, there were a couple people on third and fourth line at least tried, like Wagner's not perfect, but he's Wagner. He at least still tried to be a little physical and get in there, whether, you know, whatever. I don't, what happened is I think we got more banged up. We lost 
not only did we not have Miller, but we also lost Carlo. Now all the pressure is on the top pairing, right? Uh, I, I, Contrary to popular belief, I personally don't think that Riley and Tenorti played horrible. I think they did what Riley and Tenorti are, are expected to do on second and third line pairings. And actually, Riley at points early in the series was helping keep that defense together when we were having trouble, uh, you know, in the sense of at least he was standing up at the blue line, doing all the things we talked about they had to do. But in the end, I just think that Cassidy got out coached and between injuries and just us, we, we get messy like this, right? The Bruins get a little rattled and then they chase their own asses for a while and then you waste time. And also the PK with having, we didn't have enough bodies. So that's just, right. I guess that's my summary of just generally all the things like my mind, I couldn't by game six, by the end there, I was just like, I thank God this is about to end. I can't watch a game yeah. seven. Let's touch on the Carlo thing after we hear from show sponsor BetOnline.ag. BetOnline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at BetOnline.ag. Get all the latest news, odds, and information on all your sports sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, the National Basketball Association, PGA Golf, the National Hockey League, and your UFC and MMA action. Real-time updated odds and props on most anything you can imagine. BetOnline.ag has you covered for all the new scores and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Before the next baseball pitch or the next bar down goal in hockey, head over to BetOnline.ag on your laptop or mobile device and take advantage of the 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, folks. Get in on the action at BetOnline.ag. Don't forget to use the code CLNS50 to receive the 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline.ag, your online sports book experts. Yeah, I one thing that you you talked about earlier was being out coached. And and this is the prototypical Lou Lamarillo, Barry Trotz type of freaking mind fuck. And I dropped the first <laughs> F-bomb on this one. You didn't no credit for you. Um <laughs> uh it, it was it's like that one three one defense. It's it just what is it with this that completely devours the efforts of the Boston Bruins? And it's not just the Islanders. It's not just the New Jersey Devils. It has been the Ottawa Senators in the past, uh, particularly in the first round of the playoffs not too long ago when they moved on a team that was, I don't know, basically not even supposed to be in the playoffs. But this system has beaten the Boston Bruins. They're getting pucks in deep faster. They're out skating and so on. What can we do to beat systems like this moving forward, Heather? I'm not sure if the way that our system's constructed, you really can figure it out. I think that's what's shown. We lose to Jersey. We lose, you know, in all the places that we see today, it's still sitting there, this defense that just drives you nuts. But I think part of it is that, we're so reliant on the ability to make our lanes and get our passes exactly clean and crisp when we want. And that's when the Bruins are their best, right? That's when it's, woo, Sully's all around. Everyone's getting points, la, la, la. But I think they get frustrated with like the Islanders because the Islanders are not giving you any space. They're not going to allow you. They're not going to stand there and let you do whatever you feel like doing on them, that they're not you know, we do that sometimes too, right? Like we're always like, move, do something, make a move. You can't just let them decide what's going to happen. But I don't think that with Cassidy's kind of, you know, with the quick shots or, or too many passes uh, that drives us all nuts, you know, whatever that yeah. style, 
you can't figure out this type of defense because they call it trap shutdown defense for a reason. Yeah, like, exactly. Is, they this type of defense doesn't allow you to create the space you need to create the lanes that you want. And the Bruins are so reliant on just being the quickest uh, passers and shooters, and that's how they get it. I mean, even during this series, I do have to say they did at least put someone in front of net and try and get some tips because they knew that's how you have to on Valarmov, who is phenomenal to watch goaltend too. It, there was this was a goaltending series too, and what it, we will can talk the tooks later but generally like the first few games it was like these goaltenders the goals they did give up were kind of a few of them were like these are not goals these kind of goaltenders give up a lot but then there were all the I don't think people talk about enough of all the saves that were in this series on like Valarmov helped keep them in because there's plenty of times that we should have scored that we didn't uh I think that's part of the problem. If you have this kind of defense in front of a really awesome goaltender, you can't figure it out. It's just, you got to wait for that dirty, you know, rebound or whatever you need. That's how you're going to score. Not your point to out to point. So sorry to ramble. I just had it all built in for like a week now. One thing for me that I noticed and, and, and one, one breakthrough moment for this uh, Boston Bruins offense of coming from the top line that drove the, um, the the Islanders series, uh, the 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 second line was completely shut down. Krejci, Smith, and and uh, and Hall um, was the the Islanders defense, and that shining moment was Brad Marchand when he took initiative to go straight up the middle and just make that Islanders D look like Swiss cheese and fake out Belarmov and go to the backhand. And I believe that was a, a tying goal. I'm not, I'm not totally sure on this because we're doing an off the cuff kind of, uh, you know, open discussion. That's there's no, event. there's no agenda. So um, I really wanted the rest of the team to look at that and say, that's what we have to do to this Islanders team moving forward. And that's what we need to do to a goaltender that has seemingly beat our fucking ass all year and continue to do so to win the series on that Samuel and Verlamov. I wanted to see the Boston Bruins look at that up and down that bench and say to themselves, Brad, that's a perfect example of what we have to do. This Boston Bruins team to me, and what I found was most frustrating, was they continued to go from the wide in and not up the middle more and try to expose the Islanders' defense a little more than they should. You know, if you keep working at something, even though it's unsuccessful, you're going to find breaks sooner or later. And I think that they didn't do it enough. And I think that the Islanders left enough space for uh, Mashan and his creativity and his vision to go up the middle and get that freaking goal. But that's what the Boston Bruins needed more of. And then after that, they continued to go wide in, wide in. And, and I'm sorry, the net front presence in this series was fucking nil to none. And I, that another thing that pissed me off was Valamov was just eating things in the chest all the yeah. time. You know, you shoot at him, that's what he's going to do. He's a veteran goaltender. He's going to eat those uh, uh, shots up all the time and not give second opportunities for people that were friggin' barely there. Well, see, I was thinking there were people in front, but not the people that traditionally you want in front to do that kind of thing. You know, like, um, like even like... I can't even like... So Nick Ritchie goes to be part of the six-man problem on the... Like, we can't roll four lines if four lines aren't showing up at all. Like, the second line might have got shut down, but they were at least trying to not be shut down, you know. And I think Krejci might have got a couple of whatever in that time, too, probably power play or something because, you know. But 
like people like Nick Ritchie, who all year long he's been making his bread and butter and proving people like me wrong. And you know, me. Like, I'm, I'm not blaming him on this, but this was a lot more last year's Nick Ritchie, just like I didn't want than this year I've watched him play Nick Ritchie. And that's not okay with me because you're one of the only ones on the bottom six that have been consistent all year even if it's to my chagrin. So like normally he's there, even in the capital series, remember he had that weird, like he just barely tapped it and it went over and I was like, okay, goal. Like that's what you need. But we also need them, even though there were a lot of shots and we outshot them a million, you know, so it wasn't like they didn't have their opportunities. The same problems from the first round existed. They're not hitting the net. There's too much. So either Volamov, like you said, is eating it, or it's going wide enough that it's not really a seat. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't going in anyways. Unless it was a shot, but not a quality shot. Yeah, exactly. Like I, that problem persisted and that, and that's part of what it is. But I think it really does go back to at some point, the Bruins stopped playing their game. Like you said, you know why Marshawn shocked them going up the middle is because the Bruins will do that regularly and they just weren't. So it kind of caught them off guard that they weren't, like you said, going wide or whatever. Yeah. Also they played better the first few games because they controlled the neutral zone better they let the islanders control two and a half zones <laughs> on there and a lot of the goals that went in wasn't so much even on the islanders as it was mistakes that we made and they capitalized on it because that's what a well-disciplined team does but we did not capitalize on any of their mistakes because they didn't have a lot of mistakes slow yeah. and steady wins the race now I know they're probably going to get punched in the face by those cheaters, Tampa Bay, with their huge over the salary cap guys. No, either way, right? So I'm just joking. Either way, I'm not, I don't need hate mail from Tampa. I don't care if your team wins or loses, but I don't know. Trots might just out Cooper, you know, out due to Cooper, like just like he did with Bruce Cassidy. And I don't know why Bruce is so stubborn. Can you explain that to me? I like Bruce Cassidy, whatever. Like he's the coach, but why are you so goddamn stubborn? Again, it's not just a brusque. Like at this point, shit is bad. Get Corrali out of there for a game, and I don't give a care. Put put Trent yeah. Frederick in. I mean, not the, my, what I would do, but it's better than whatever's happening out there right now. It's got to be. It can't be worse. It just in in these playoffs for me. Um, and let's go to the last year's playoffs. Okay, mm -hmm. uh, they left early, and the narrative from the from management and from coaching staff was we weren't we weren't aggressive enough we weren't this enough we weren't let's just say and i'm paraphrasing this is not coming from a quote from anybody in the boston Bruins organization we weren't tough enough so i heard all year and i've been one of those we don't need a freaking um uh an enforcer we don't need a goon we need somebody that can do those things but also uh offensive uh capabilities to help out uh you know getting goals and assists and so on and being that all-around player for me, that was missed in this playoffs. Even though we did see a hard grinding playoffs, I think that we were outworked in many situations where a player like Trent could help out. And I know that I'm probably on an island by myself because there's, there's a lot of tr uh, Trent Frederick hate going on. Um, but this is what everybody's been in in installing in my head for so many years. Is like we need types of players like him. Don't not sure what the situation was with him and him not getting any time in the playoffs at all. I know that he was at pregame skates, uh, just in case somebody else couldn't go, he could easily, easily, seemingly fit right in. But 
you know, I just think that we did get outworked in many situations and, and, and he is stubborn to put, to do anything. And, and the Corrali thing for me is just a, it, that in a nutshell, I don't think he's coming back. I think that he is now in the Nola Chari. He's in the Jim Schaller um, uh, category of uh, we don't pay uh, your type of role any more money than you're making right now. And you're, you know, he's a UFA. So I don't, I don't consider him coming back. The, the uh, sign and exposed to, um, to Seattle is an intriguing thought to me from you. So uh, kudos to you on that one. But uh, I don't see him in the lineup next season. I, I actually see a player like Trent Frederick making more impact uh, on this team more regularly. And maybe that's going to have to take uh, uh, several talkings to. I kind of think that he was, uh, he was put out there like a pit bull last season in the games that he got into. And I, I liked his game. I liked his aggressiveness. I liked the, the presence on the ice and the, the no back down stuff. But that got to cause penalties and, and it put us in situations that we shouldn't have. He might have gotten spoken uh, he might have gotten spoken to about that and more or less we need you as a player and not the freaking goon, you know, running around the ice just causing havoc. I mean, there is a time and a place for that, but when you get penalized a lot and you're putting your team in a, an awkward position, you know, I don't know. Maybe maybe he just wasn't being played because he was just, you know running around too much and it was concerned for the team, but uh, maybe the off season uh, zoom meetings and so on from home that this management team can get to him and say, we want you to be an aggressive player, but we also don't want you to put, put us into uh, difficult situations. Yeah. I see. I kind of lean towards, we need bigger defense that, but defense like a Charlie McAvoy that has an offensive upside too. You know what I mean? Cause that remains to be part of the problem. We have plenty of people who are sort of tough, but like we don't have guys that are big to be able to push people off the puck or help when like, you know, whatever, Krejci's being stifled by the other team. Like you need someone who can pin someone away from the board, you know, them away from the boards for them and stuff. And we just, we don't have the size. And I hate to be the bearer of bad news. And I'm not trying to be like prospects, but I'm telling you right now, these kids are not ready or aren't going to ever be the core of this next new team. Not all of them. I'm not naming names. I'm saying generally the kids we have around. So I just mean this off season, we need to be careful, especially if you say don't resign Krejci and people like that, that are huge cogs in the system. These kids, it's going to get a lot messier before it gets better. Just, not because the kids, I don't think, tried hard this year. I think they did. I think they had decent rookie seasons given the circumstances. So that's what I mean. I don't want anyone to think I don't believe Trent Frederick is going to be part. You know, like that might be. But if that's the case, like the Trent Fredericks of the world really are going to move up, then that's where we need to spend the money elsewhere. To, they need to have another veteran center. Charlie Coyle isn't cutting it. I hope that he gets it back together. But... I also, if you can guarantee me a well-put-together center, you might have to package some of these people, whether it's a few prospects here and there. I mean, we have an extra seventh-round draft pick. We could maybe give somebody. Uh, but that's what I think, though. I think we need to really look for a bigger defenseman and another big forward of some sort to help with the situation, especially because like, Richie is supposed to play that role, too, and he disappeared, right? 
And yeah. Frederick, I, I think Frederick needs to know when to hold him, know when to fold him. And he's young and he doesn't know that. So he came out, like you said, like a bulldog, right? You need to like make sure you figure out how to get him like a bulldog that's just protecting the house when they need to, not one that's just trying to bite people to go by kind of, you know, and rein that in. But I mean, it is going to be a decision though, who's staying and who's going. If you get rid of some of the people on the third and fourth lines, who really can step into the role? Not you hope they can, not that you can't, but like Zaboral and Lozano are a good example. I think that the kids did all right for their first season, given the circumstances, you know, you had Miller in and out, you know, Carlo in and out and things like that. But in the long run, they are not ready to be your starting defenseman yet. Maybe one or two of them, you know, but we can't have five people bump up. Like I like Jack Ashan. He's going to be awesome, but like he can't be our new. What side is he? I don't even know. I'm sorry. I can't remember. Um, shit, I don't know either. <laughs> All right. Sorry. I don't mean to, but I, I don't mean to offend you. And I, I, you do know that though, right? Like that's one thing that God exposes. Maybe our system isn't deep enough. And some of these players aren't as ready as we think they are. So that has to be factored into the cap. Yeah. This offseason. Well, there's so, so much that's going to go into this off season. And I think that let's get past the COVID talk. Mm. I think that before then, when they were considering Don Sweeney and, and his longevity in this uh, Boston Girls organization and moving forward, um, I think that it's not a good time right now to talk about let's get rid of Neely, let's get rid of Sweeney. I really want this offseason, the draft, um, free agent signings, all that's going to be heavily looked at and add on a dose of a really good 2021-22 regular season when we all get back to hopefully back to divisional play we see some teams from canada we'd like to see that soon and and some other things that are going on with this organization with the ufa and rfa signings and blah 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 you know the the uh the, the stuff that you get done all the time and after next after next season that's when you say okay where do we go from here when everything was back to normal and and we're back on track and this and that if we fail and not make the playoffs, I want to see changes in management. This would be definitely the, the the time to do it is next season, not this year. So right now I'm not calling for the heads of Neely or Sweeney, but I'm putting a heavy, heavy accountability on the players and what happened this year. I also want to take a little bit of a jab at Bruins management and just say conditioning. What's going on with the conditioning? We weren't it didn't seem like we were completely ready for this, these rough and tough playoffs. When you see this increased grind style in the postseason, I saw it in the Washington series, but I wonder if that Washington series was the pinnacle of like that pinnacle is probably a bad word folks, but the time that they had with that Washington Capitals team, and they didn't have anything more to move on to the Islanders series. So it was physical. I get it, but I want to say, if you had to put a, a fight card on it, who would you think was more physical in this Boston Bruins New York Islanders series, Heather? Boston all, or the Islanders? All day long, the Islanders, which is ridiculous because we're the more physical team by nature. Yeah, I right. get you. <laughs> we're not, not going to use the BBB freaking narrative. I hate that. I hate that. We're a new team moving forward, different generation. But no, that, is still I, a, that is still a part of the game that needs to be addressed. I always say you still can be the big bad Bruins. The difference is though, you have to figure out what that means to be the big bad Bruins in this era, you know? So like I said, more Charlie McAvoy's of the world or who, you know what I mean? Or 
don't know. That's what we need bigger for. Like, I don't feel like we have big forwards. All our, I mean, but we do have some forwards that play real big. Talking to you, Brad Marshawn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about him. What, um, his thoughts, uh, your thoughts on uh, on the way he played and just tried to take this team and the offensive capabilities on his shoulder and show you what can be done. Uh, I, I just don't think that anybody else followed the path that that Marshan was was blazing. But I, I thought that he was so freaking good, and and he continues to be good in these late late year uh, festivities. When you think that and a veteran like himself would be kind of breaking down from a long year and or or a very stressful year that a lot of players had and so on. So I just I just thought that without him wearing the C and and um does he even have an A? Yeah him and Krejci I think yeah that's what I thought. Okay. Generally Um, yeah. Yeah so what are your thoughts on Marshan and the way he played and what's the what can be what can we look forward to to next season and hopefully a playoff run. It's sad to me that Brad Marshawn never gets real serious heart consideration. And I think it's easy to be the heart trophy candidate on a team where you are the superstar or maybe you only have a few. But like Bergeron has to play every night with David Pasternak and Patrice frickin' Bergeron. And Brad Marshawn is a player that I think, and I know he never will be because of his previous thing, but like, Anybody who's been a Bruins fan longer than since 2011, maybe even there, but that's when these boys, you know, started coming up from Providence and when they were young and won the cup, you know, and, or even like Bergeron had been waiting around a couple, you know, like riding the ride. They, I think even Bergeron and Marshawn might have in their press conference after the game said something about, you know, we're not getting younger, basically like long and short of it, you know, but Marshawn just continues to get better and better every year. He matured. And now he he still does Marshawn things at times, but just like his maturity as an actual player astounds me. And I just, he absolutely is the MVP of this team. And that is not to uh, disgrace anybody else who's on it, but day in and day out, Marshawn's going to give you a good game, even when there's a really bad game happening around him. Like you said, he just, even just his maturity, like you said, to try and pull people, come on guys, we can do it. Let's spark something. And that it's a shame no one else wanted to spark with him or were unable to whatever injuries, all that. I don't know. I don't, you know, no excuses. Oh, but you know what I do think is interesting? Keep on what? the mosh, please. Oh, yeah. Like that. He just, he seems to be a good human being now. Remember when he was younger, he just yep. wasn't as out of control as maybe some other people, Tyler Sagan. But maybe... <laughs> walking the line of that but you've seen him a couple times in both washington and in in uh on the island like sign autographs to the other team's kids or give like sticks or pucks and like those are the things i just it's just been a pleasure watching him mature i don't know I, you can't say enough about marshawn every week it's like marshawn he's fucking magical he really is he gets shit done even when it seems impossible like if he could have won you one of those games on his own, he would have because he had a couple multi-goal oh, yeah. games. You know, like he's yeah. just—I don't want to say that he should have the C. Obviously, Bergeron's earned that, but Marshawn's here longer than Bergeron is as of now, as they're signed, and he may be—you know—we all say McAvoy or whoever, maybe Carlo if he's around, but Marshawn might very well be a, at least a one-year captain of this team before all is said and done with him. So that I expect to get over 100 points because that's what he does. Great segue right there, Heather. 
I want to go back to the 14-15 season, talking about Brad Marchand. He had a 42-point season in 77 games in that year. Then he had 61 points in 77 games, 85 points in 80 games, 85 points in 68 games, 100 points in 79 games, 87 points in 70 games, and most recently, the 2021 campaign, he had 69 points in 53 games. So to me, he's he is getting better as he ages and so on. And I think just that narrative right there, and just because you're not McDavid, you're not this, you're not that, he should be considered into one. I don't know how much longer we can talk about this because he is getting older and so on, but I would like to see him get the recognition that he deserves. I think he's a, a winger that has proven that he is heart trophy candidate. I don't understand why um, players that are not like league freaking superstars that, uh, in their names are not are getting consideration, but a player like him who does everything, not just freaking score, not just North and South gets in there, grinds, really helps his team out and so on is not getting the benefit of the doubt. The only thing I can think of is like, some of the BS that he's pulled in the past, you know, just like there are certain people who will never get in the hall because their personality isn't liked by the people who make these decisions. You know, um, we all know who these people are. <laughs> Look them up. You probably have a favorite out there somewhere. Uh, as we talked about before, the hall can be picky, but Brad Marshawn is a complete player. And even if you don't let him win it, it is ridiculous to me. Like what are the other hockey people watching? Do you know what I mean? Like it's, because who votes on that? I can't remember off the top of my I head. I don't know. Obviously uh, but, not the right people. Yeah, but it's just, it is ridiculous. But that's all right. He's well on his way to, he has a career he doesn't have to speak for. And he has changed his ways mostly. Um, unlike other people getting fined on the team. No, I'm just kidding. Like, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Marshawn's awesome. And I expect that he's definitely, he'll be up on pace for another 100 points. You know, that's what he's been trending at. He even had a couple years ago, he had that 29-goal season, but he got himself suspended, and then he missed it, I think. Or it was like yeah. 20 or something, and then he missed the last few games, so he couldn't get it. I don't remember what year that was. Maybe I don't 18, I, I, maybe? A couple years ago. I'm all confused. Say, doesn't say it on the stats, but... All right, uh, moving on. Where should we go now? Should we talk I, about goaltending? Well, I, first I wanted to ask you, there's been a lot of talk about um, Brandon Carlo. Like, have you seen oh. a lot of like, he should just retire? And um, I'm not really yes. jumping there quite yet because, no. you know, his, let his doctors and Brandon Carlo and his w future wife figure all that out, what's best for him health-wise and not. But I just thought, I just wanted to ask you what your thoughts on are that. Uh, negative on the retirement talk. I think that Brandon Carlo still has a ton to offer. Um, wh whether his body is up for it, his mind, um, his physical attributes, uh, those are totally up to him. And like you said, up to family to decide. But I, I believe that after his exit interviews and what he said, um, he, he wants to keep going. He has a lot to prove. Uh, he is a, um, a RFA at the end of this season, uh, or he is an RFA now, let's put it that way, uh, needs to be resigned, in my opinion. I, I, I just think that... Um, his leadership alone and so on on the back end is going to be a value to these young kids moving forward. Uh, we have a big defensive core that's coming up soon. Um, you know, but I also, 
I also want Brandon. To, let, let's get. Let's just let's just be frank here. Let's hope he's okay. Let's hope health wise he's okay and so on. But I also want him to to look back and 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 at his career and see all the injuries and so on, and not expect to like come out with a swinging number of of this amount of millions to get a deal done or I'm going elsewhere. Um, I really want the team to work. I, I want him to work with the team because I, I believe that he's still a valued member of this back end and, and moving forward. But uh, I just, I just want to make it a cap friendly deal that we can still keep him possibly get another player uh, in the mix, whether it be free agency, a trade or whatever. Uh, Cause we, I think we do still need an addition on the back end um with him and um you know i just want i pretty much just want to see him back in the fold but not at a, a crazy number um you know to basically keep uh the 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 low spending idea going because when you have available cap space during the season it's that's important too because you can you can work with it Jesus, yeah. what a long-winded fucking idiot answer. <laughs> well, well, he he makes two eight five now, right? So say they gave him a little bit more just because he's earned three it. five I mean, the max. Like I'm, that's what I mean, though. It's like even if I mean he knows he's had these concussions, but I also think that like fans need to let the doctor decide. You, I'm pretty sure that a kid that's grown up in the world where actually concussions have been, you know, like monitored and stuff, not like back in the day, you're just like, I don't have a concussion. The coach is like, good. Like, you yeah, know, yeah, they have, they have to remember. get cleared. It's like a whole, it wasn't that long ago. And like the grand scheme of things, if you think about it, right? Like they really yeah. are the first generation that like people started taking head injuries in sports and stuff like that seriously. So on one hand, I think, like, obviously you have to look at that. No one's paying him $5 million. He, he knows that, but because of that, he probably would prefer to maybe, you know, you got to give him a little more. He's done his, yeah. his bridge contract or whatever, but say three, five for two years, whatever, maybe three, just to see. Cause if he is, but he's not as injury prone as Kevin Miller. And that's all I could think is like, people like he's just as injury prone as Miller now. And I get, it's a different kind of injury and noggin's different, but right. are you effing kidding me? Even if he has been injury prone, he's at least earned his 2.8. <laughs> like, like yeah. again, I don't blame Miller. I'm just saying like, if you're going to bitch about two <laughs> mil here or two mil there, I would rather three, five, you know, up to three, five Carlo yeah. on a two year deal. As, as the game evolves, so does science. Mm -hmm. You know, we're, we're, we're learning more about what's going on. We're not at the at the peak of, of, of knowing everything about head injuries and concussions and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, we're getting further than we were in the past. Let's let's do that. But I'm not a fan of, of just somebody just saying, like, oh, he's, like, so injury prone. We can't give him a chance. Um, if, if the Bruins want to roll the dice and, and, and go with him, then you have to seriously um, increase your defensive depth in case something does happen. And mm -hmm. and right now, with a big defenseman like Carlo and the way he can, he has the potential. I'm not saying he did it all year, but to, to seriously shut down opponents, you you have to add more on the on the um, in the prospect pool. You got to draft a little better. Um, you know it, it, that's 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 what happens during the off season is is those um those avenues that you have to address to make your team better not on the ice but in case of emergency as well also cuz he's an RFA right if they qualify him they can have 
right? If they qualify him, they can protect him. I'm sorry. I was just trying to remember protect him or, uh, or let him go into the Seattle draft, right? Because they're probably going to lower the number of games played because the season was shortened. Well, so that's I don't... Just something to consider too, to play cap things, but I think Carlo should stay here. I've said it before. Grizzly, McAvoy and Carlo are your new core of your D right. And you need to, part of the problem is yes, Carlo gets injured in the playoffs, but part of the problem is we don't have another person as big as Carlo, especially like Miller this year was the other big right side. And he's been hurt most of the year too. You know, like that's, there's gotta be someone, but like you said, even in the depths, even though we have some nice defensemen down there, they're still not popping up and being the size of McAvoy and Carlo and Miller. They're big boys, you know, and we need to get somebody, whether it be a draft trade or whatever. But I, I think overall Bruins fans get concerned though, because we've seen oftentimes that doesn't happen. You know what I mean? Like Sweeney did it to us last year. It's not a concern. It's a freak out. It's like, Oh, this guy's so soft. Get rid of him. It's like, he's got a freaking head injury, man. It's like, come on. Sports can be just an, an outlet for people to be such douchebags. And he said he was fu- he was feeling fine off ice. It was more on ice right. dizziness, which he isn't that far removed from getting the concussion. Also, that concussion he sustained definitely was his size contributed to the fact his head hit that, as opposed to necessarily being like someone gave him a head hunt, like how he right. got injured not that long ago by Wilson. You know, so. I will say, and we I, I did want to say this um, last week, but we were you know shit happened mm-hmm. that. Carlo put himself into a position to get um, the bunt of that hit. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not saying that he should be at fault for turning. There's a lot of times players do that pivotal movement and show the numbers to protect the puck. It's 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 um it's a thing that hockey players do all the time, but it also puts them in a very very bad situation. Um, yeah. But I'm not blaming him like some Bruins fans. Like, why did he turn? He didn't have to do that. I don't know. But I'm not saying that it was his fault that he got hurt and so on. But he needs to better protect himself in those situations, Mm -hmm. if I could say. I do want to touch on one thing on on Cap. I'm sorry, Puckpedia.com. Brandon Carlo is an RFA, so he um, doesn't have to be exposed to the expansion draft. I'm not sure about that. I need to look into that um, or, or protected. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, and he's got RF, um, arbitration rights. So. Um, but I can't see him wanting to. 24 years old. I don't think this guy's career is over yet. Come on. I, I think it's hard to judge because it hasn't been that long since he got the head. But if he's saying he feels fine, I, I just come back to why don't we let like the players and the medical professionals figure that out? Like, I'm yeah, not, I like that idea. You know? Like, I understand there's reason to be concerned. Head injuries are scary and important. I agree with you too that, and Carlo would probably be the first one to say, you when you put yourself in the more. I don't think he realized maybe the momentum or how hard he was going to get. You know what I mean? And yep. He, you could see he was stunned, obviously got stunned, but he was probably a little stunned just the fact it happened because it probably not how he imagined if he absorbed the hit, it was going to happen. So you're right. Yep. You got to protect yourself, but he's, he's young. If the neuroscientists and stuff think he's okay, then let's, I mean, Carlos a good, he's never going to be Charlie McAvoy, but that's not why we've let him play since he was 19. It's because he's steady and he's big, and he generally does his job in and out. He's not the flashiest defenseman you have, but he is one of the most steady things when he is healthy in your lineup. So uh, all day long, if we're throwing money at 
injured right defenseman that we want to retain in the system. It's Carlo over whatever. But that's the one thing that is interesting about our offseason is we have a lot of UFAs and RFAs, which means that puts us in a unique position in the Seattle dump because you don't have to sign. Like the UFAs, no one can even talk to you. You know what I mean? So I you need can- to I need to yeah. figure out when the um, the expansion draft actually happens, and then we need to do an expansion draft um, like special uh, before then. So um, I believe it's somewhere around the twenty first of July. Okay, so we got well free over a agency. Month. Free it, that happens, then the regular draft I think is like the twenty fourth and twenty fifth or something like that, and then July twenty eighth is free agency opens. I do know that day because. We have the rights for the UFAs until that day, which is after both drafts. That's as close as I can remember from my obsessively looking at the key dates of the 2021 NHL season. But um, like the protection list to do like the 14th or something like that. It all happens in rapid succession because they're supposed to award the cup by like the 9th of July. Do you have a list of that of that um, of those things that need to be done? The dates? Yeah. I well, do. You send them to me. All right. Yeah. 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 Awesome. I'm going to, I'm going to put them on my whiteboard as um, you know, so I can just look at it and be like, Oh, we need to talk about this this week. And then we need to talk about that the, the following week. So, Oh, I have all of that. I just don't have it on the desk. Cause like I said, we were just going to unload our brains. We we're just processing exactly. stats, numbers. We all saw it. Um, I actually did want to ask you though, um, not because we blame refs or do whatever, but, isn't it weird how, again, we've seen more goal officiating just generally where like some things are $5,000 fines, other things that are the exact same thing are not $5,000 fines. We've seen things be suspendable and not suspendable. But Bruce Cassidy, Mr. Like pretty, like I get Torts gets himself fined and banned from talking bad about the edit. But like Bruce yeah. Cassidy, hey, NHL, maybe pay attention. You've had one team already sound off to you about part of your system not saying that's right although i did think it was hilarious and spot on at that particular time yeah you get fine for telling the truth cassidy didn't even say anything like the whole thing is he totally did it in a polite bruce cassidy way like as he's like this efficient but i know these guys they're good guys like he's totally being a nice canadian about saying fuck you buddies like dude he went all around the whole thing to like say something bad right throw uh, to, to raise a red flag but then like let me cover up by saying you know hey th- it's a well-coached system over there but you know hey they're, they're freaking cheating or you know blah 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 yeah um but yeah to get fined for saying stuff that actually is happening is uh it's not a big deal in my opinion but it does need to be uh more better known to the league that um you know you need to hear this stuff let's not find people um Let's get this. Let's get better at officiating because it continues to be a shit show every freaking year, whether it be the regular season or the postseason. And and it still drives me absolutely freaking crazy. Did you notice this year, Heather? This is why I'm bringing it up. Did you notice this year that the whistles were out of the pockets in previous years before that? It's commonly known that the postseason has the whistles in the pockets. They only blow the egregious calls in the playoffs. Whether that should happen or not happen, again, I get the debate of why is there two seasons? It's you know yeah, you got to know the rules. Exactly, I get that. But my whole thing is 
The officiating has become the same thing as player safety. You don't even follow your own rules. And I'm not, I get it's hard to officiate an NHL game. Everything is moving fast, everything, you know. But that's why I was happy on the Krejci, uh, what did they, spearing they were going to give him, right? But then oh, yeah, they were going cross yes. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I mean. So Krejci... Krejci gets fined five. David Krejci, notable fine. Like he gets fined and suspended all the times in his 12 year career or whatever. Um, yeah, exactly. But this is the whole thing. So you saw, uh, you apparently didn't see, you ended up seeing the part where he sold that shit. Cause even at the time I was like, I, I didn't see an angle that shows he got speared in the nuts. I mean, it could have been his stomach. Either way, you were behaving badly. But at the same time, how much is Krejci supposed to take? Like, you know what I mean? Like, you're goddamn right. When it comes down to it, you're a fucking dude. And someone's fucked. Like, you know what I mean? You're going to defend yourself. But the league, it's interesting. They never make meaningful changes to be better at officiating, uh, like making a consistency of what's this versus what's that. Uh, they only like to find and get upset when you say bad things about them, when their feelings get hurt. And maybe it is unprofessional for you to do that, but it's also unprofessional for you to let the officiating and player safety decisions and things like that continue to not be improved. You know, it's almost like when Bruce Cassidy won't change up the third and fourth line as much as you want him to, it drives you mad. That's how I feel about Gary Ben. You're saying unnice things about George Paros. Like, <laughs> so fucking what? David Krejci could have broke a goddamn rib. He got cross-checked so much in the back. You know what I mean? Yeah. But he gets fine. Like, and Krejci and was probably like, cool. ribs, Believe it or not, the hardest ones to recover from. Yeah, and that's what I mean. It's like, you're, you, ew, I just I just think, and then Bruce Cassidy, not, notable Canadian nice guy, trying to be disparaging, but in that nice Canadian, sorry, sorry kind of yeah. way. You know, it's, it's just, it's, it does suck, man. But the, the league does have to get better. And I, w I really wish the league would, like, notice the efforts of, yeah, have you ever seen the scouting the refs and the product that they put out? I don't follow, like follow them on Twitter. What they do is they, they, they give an update of who um, every official and linesman are going to participate in, in every game. And what they do is they have, like, an algorithm. I don't know how it works. I'm not a math guy, not a computer guy, but an algorithm of tracking like bad calls and so on. And they put it in a percentage. It, it's fantastic. Also for, uh, also go to scouting the refs.com. They have a website. I wrote it down. Scouting. So, yeah. They do a great job. That's the type of shit that fans are doing right now. That's the type of shit that the league needs to stop paying attention to. And that's the type of shit that needs to be freaking looked at, evaluated for future work in the NHL. If you are a Tim Peel and on a, and on a hot mic and you're well known for, um, you know, the makeup calls and so on, which you basically got fired, even though he was going to retire a month or whatever. But still, if you've done it once, you've done it so many times before. You know, there's no doubt about that. It's happened. Players have talked about it and so on. But we move on because it's the it's the NHL and and basically like it's almost like uh, it's like government. You can't say anything to government because they'll they'll come raining down with twenty five thousand dollar fines. Yeah. They'll find the shit out of you and maybe yeah. drag you to officiating jail. Like yeah, fuck Tom P Tim Peel, Tom Peel, Tim Peel. But at the same time. 
he just caught on a hot mic of the shit that everybody knows goes on anyways. So like you basically, he was going to retire and he, but you, so you literally put him on like paid leave for the last two months of his career after you letting him be that official in your league all those years, you know, like yeah. I don't, this is what I don't understand is why is everyone, but the officials, Gary Bettman, Bill Daly and George Paros or whoever's holding that role in player safety are the only things that can't be criticized in hockey. Exactly. Criticism isn't always bad, Gary. Like I'm just, I'm not saying again, and especially and, like Bruce Cassidy, he didn't even say anything that bad. <laughs> he really I know. Didn't. I know. He was very polite about it. And the fact that you're talking to a player who's a former player right now, who's has the freaking highest seat, in uh in uh the uh NHL player safety, George Barrows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's done him. all this shit in his in his past. He should know exactly what to find and suspend. He's an yeah. expert in the game. I mean, and not this saying is the same guy him. that didn't want to give anything for the Brandon Carlo hit. He didn't he didn't want to fucking find um a Tom Wilson for hitting him and knocking and getting a concussion. He was like, why should we find him for that? But somebody overturned it and said, no, we need to do this. So you, you got overseen by somebody else in the league, which I'm probably Gary Batman. I, I don't do a very good Gary. 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 Yeah. I mean, I'll see, Dangle, Dangle does the best Gary Batman. Uh, you know what I'd like to say, though? We're not the only pathetic fan base we get reminiscent about the good old days. For us, it's 2011 at this point. Because I, I saw in the last week, it was – the blues parade had been, it was like the anniversary <laughs> of the blues parade and the anniversary of the Washington capitals parade. And I was like, yeah, sad. At least we took them out this year. Like at least we beat one team. I, oh, I can't put um, Yeah. Krejci and Cassidy got fined and Nick Ritchie got fined, right? For an elbow. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Which probably deserved, but uh, I mean, again, that there are plenty of things that probably could have been fine that came from the Islanders because they were way more physical than I remember they had been. Uh, sure. But yeah, um, yeah, I just. Do but you nothing on Matt. Me? But nothing on Matt Barzell for all those freaking high freaking, you know, hits to the face when you know you're coming in at him and he's got your stick up your, near your your jaw like you're feeding him a freaking a t bone. It's like come, give me a break. Why is it only one side? I have I to be like, honest. Matt Barzell is the Islander I least noticed on the ice. Like, I don't think he was as good as Matt Barzell really even is because they have a lot of talent on that team. Do you know what I mean? Whether he was scoring or not, the Islanders were still playing the same game. You know what I mean? And I agree with you. Like, why can't he be punished? Like, yeah, he's the the future of the NHL. That's the that's the face you want to protect and so on. It's so stupid. Well, I would like to protect Krejci's face because I love him more (laughs) than that. I want to protect Krejci's back. (laughs) Because sometimes, you know, sometimes, believe it or not, I know the haters out there don't like Krejci much, but I know Chris Blackie of the uh, Big Bad Bruins Hockey Podcast will agree with me that um, what works for the other should be working for everybody. And I just don't think that 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 series was officiated well at all. And and every minute of that video of that series, and even incorporate some of the Washington series as well, and, and bring that to, like, your training ops when you're bringing in new officiated uh, oh my god i can't even talk today <laughs> officiating crew you know the next generation of uh zebras mm-hmm. those are the types of videos you want to see what you're letting go and what you're not so it's, yeah, it's gonna be it's gotta be better 
It definitely if has to be better. didn't have conflicting videos, they could do that. But if you pull out the video and what is an elbow that's finable, it will look different on two different elbows. One elbow will be a normal gameplay elbow or I don't, I don't know. It's like, it's like high sticking. I want nobody to be smashing each other in the face with sticks. Keep your goddamn sticks down. Remember when like they would call anytime the like, you even looked like you were lifting your stick up anywhere close to over your hip line. Like That was like the one thing that did get called, like, you know, high sticking. Now it's high sticking in the face all the time. And that's another thing that like, you got to stop because eventually then all, then they're like, oh, why is there a fight breaking out? Well, I don't know. She, yeah, I wonder why. Yeah, Just because like, you missed yeah, something. Yeah, like do something. Like either should I get off the pot NHL on these things like this? Because it does make a difference. Officiating can make a difference. I'm not blaming officiating. I absolutely, as much as I love the Bruins, and you know me, next year, looking forward to next year because everyone kept asking me, how are you? Are you okay? I'm like... I, they've been playing since 1924. I'm good. They'll play next year. Everything's good. It, it it really, it ended badly. Maybe not as heartbreaking as how we were the best team in hockey, then COVID shut us down, and then we looked like absolute clusterfuck when we got back to the bubble or whatever. Maybe That's not true. that people. But I would like to take a minute. We, I know we're not going to talk about contract and stuff. We'll do that at a different time. But I yeah, just want to yeah. say, David Krejci, if you're out there listening, if that was your last game as a Boston Bruin, I am sorry it had to go down like that, buddy. I and Chris Brocky are team Krejci forever. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag Krejci forever. Send it around, people. Hashtag Krejci forever. But, buddy, if that was the your last game as a Bruin, I am sorry. And I feel for you. I can feel for you. Because you are the most underrated goddamn person in the last decade. And just like the soul of the team that just gets overlooked everything he does. Uh, but I'm sorry, man. I just wanted to apologize, Kretsch, for just pretty much everybody in the fan so, base that had to watch that shit go down. So we're doing we're doing this recording on Sunday. It is a little it's well past three o'clock in the afternoon, and the Islanders and Tampa Bay series just started. So before we go to a break, let's get some predictions from Miss Heather. Heather, what do you see in this series and who's moving forward? Mm, it's hard to argue against Tampa Bay because they just have so many weapons. I don't know. I think the Islanders might just have the patient patience and the coaching. They are much better suited than the Bruins were to take out Tampa Bay and keep them from going. Even if we won the series, like we could, we're not constructed to beat Tampa Bay. But I really, you know how boring I think the Islanders are. They they yeah. confuse me because they're so great to watch, but also not glad when it's, ar- it's already getting physical and it's only been a minute. <laughs> I really do think that perhaps they might. That on the uh, flip side. Okay, I will say. Sorry to cut you off. I will say that the uh, I don't want the Islanders moving forward. I will say that the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, completely beat the crap out of these guys. That's probably what's going to happen. I hope it's a sweep. Yeah. Oh my I god! Mean, look at look at this is funny. Jesus, Pat Maroon is crossing the blue the red line right now, and just oh my god, this is going to be a physical series. I can already tell. That being said, Tampa Bay should beat the shit out of the Islanders. Like, they're not so. the better team. I just no. think they might be. If Tampa gets too arrogant, they could be in trouble. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, they, yeah. they could be in trouble. They could stifle some of their people. But they have so many people. Just, like, they keep rolling and rolling and rolling. Rolling, rolling, rolling. I mean, like Limp Bizkit? We- <laughs> <laughs> no, that's how the Bruins are rolling is like a Limp Bizkit. I'm just oh, saying. Shit. Oh, God. All right. 
let's let's Great. take our, our our halfway point break. We're gonna hear from the awesome Bruce Sullivan from Boston sports and music memorabilia he is a great person provides us audio and video of uh the fantastic products that he has for sale that are boston bruins related hand signed jerseys hand signed photos and hand signed pucks uh from bruins current players and alumni so please check out this uh upcoming commercial listen to it Get the information needed to spice up your fan cave because he's got some awesome, awesome items for really cheap prices. Hand jerseys for like $80, $90, $100, uh, and and it's hand-signed by a player. Great prices, unbelievable. You can't find these prices anywhere else, but besides me saying prices all the time, we're going to (laughs) take our break and hear from the awesome Bruce Sullivan. We'll be right back, folks. Hello Bruins fans, this is Bruce from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia with our Black and Gold Memorabilia Moment of the Week. With Father's Day quickly approaching, we have all of your Black and Gold gift ideas. Score with our Bruins 8x10 Father's Day sale. Grab autographed, authenticated photos from Grizzlick or Coyle for $24. Sanderson, Busick, O'Reilly, Park, or Andy Moog for $28. Cheever's JSA Mask Photo, $34. Esposito, $55, or your choice of GNR authenticated Bobby Orr photos for $124. Or give Dad an autographed authenticated puck from Andy Moog or Johnny Busick for $29. Brad Park for $35, Phil Esposito for $55, or Bobby Orr on sale for just $139. For more information on our dozens of Bruins hand signed pieces in your chance, to win free memorabilia each week, check us out at our Facebook page, Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia. Or email us directly at bostonsportsandmusic at gmail.com. And be sure to tune in each week right here to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Let's go! Hey, Bruins fans, we're back from our break. We just heard from the awesome Bruce Sullivan from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia. Please follow his Facebook page and uh, email him if you've got his email address. If not, rewind this and write that shit down for the YouTube viewers. Hear it again for the audio listeners. He's a fantastic uh, person. And if you just go to his his um, Facebook page, you could see how authentic these signatures are because he has video proof of Johnny Busick signing jerseys, uh, Bobby Orr signing jerseys, and so on. He's he's got the complete truth, and I'm telling you, the prices are unbelievable. If you really want to dress your fan game up, this is the guy to freaking do it. So we are back talking Boston Bruins off-season hockey, unfortunately, watching the Islanders right now play the freaking Tampa Bay Lightning. Suck it, Islanders. But anyway, uh, why don't we just jump right into the uh, goaltending talk for the Boston Bruins because that seems to be a narrative after these uh, playoffs have are done for this team. And uh, where are we moving forward with Tuka Rass as he's a uh, UFA? And the rumors are he's going to sign. Rumors are he could be on the move and so on. So why don't we just jump right into that, Heather? What do you think? It's a hard take because given his age and the surgery that he's purportedly to have uh, on the off season that seems to be necessary is going to keep him out until like February. 
So clearly Tuka Rask is not going to be the starting goaltender of this team, whether he goes or he's signed, uh, at least until that time. I think that he will probably be re-signed, but just like we talked about with Krejci at like half your current salary, you know what I mean? Maybe even less, say, with a goaltender because it's not – after a half a season, it's not your job anymore. You know what I mean? It is, but it isn't. It's not the same as like a normal – your goaltender has to step away for something for a little bit. I think it would be idiotic to not keep Tuca and or I guess I'll throw that out there to go and get a veteran goaltender to become part of your tandem. Uh, I think it should at this point probably be Tuca because even if he can't play, he can still be helping coach Jeremy Swayman or Vladar. And, you know, do you go with just Vladar and Swayman? No, that would, I to me, would be just tactically not good for their development. You know what I mean? To put that much pressure, uh, especially if we don't get better on our defensive end and things like that. Uh, too much pressure, I think, on the young kids. But if you go with Swayman or even Vladar, like we are going to need a veteran goaltender at some point to help these kids get ready uh, for really stepping up to their careers in the NHL, which they both will probably have a career, whether here or somewhere else, no matter how it rolls out. So I lean towards Sign Tuka because he's what you know. He he knows the style, what's expected of a goaltender with this system in front of him. But I can also, not the people who hate Tuka no matter what, but I do have to say Tuka yeah, did not those play guys. bad as everyone act. Like he definitely did the last few games, right? I don't think if Swayman played in game six, it would have made a F of a difference because we looked like crap from everywhere, but maybe Brad Marchand, you know what I mean? But that would have been just calling it in and the Islanders would have known it and definitely would have capitalized even more on that. Like, do you know what I mean? And I don't want to do that to Swayman or Tuca or the rest of the boys, but I don't know. I I do think though, you can't not have a veteran goaltender. Like obviously we're not going to probably sign Yarrow. And I think Yarrow's probably ready for retirement anyways, at this stage in his career. I don't know. What say you Mark? I think that some people are burning down the house, but some people do have some reasonable points about Tuka, his age and the injury. To be honest with you, when it comes down to this narrative, Heather, people are just looking at like a single lane highway, like, you know, this is it and so on, but you really have to come at this as several different angles. Um, yes, the idea of bringing Tuka Rask back and, and, and nurture some of this younger goaltending crew, like particularly Jeremy Swayman, is a fantastic idea and so on. But when you look at it as a business aspect and a cap value, to me, I'm leaning to – I'm a fence guy. I love Tuka Rask. I see value elsewhere. And in this particular situation, his value comes in his cap hit. I seriously think that we need to make more additions. And I know the free agency might be thin. I know the goaltending um, um, free agency is very thin. I'll try to remind me if I forget that later on. But um, I'm not sure what it is for forwards and so on and defensemen. But we need we need to get uh, more scoring. We need to be able to retain Taylor Hall and, and, and keep some really cool members together and so on. But we also need to make a huge addition on defense. I, 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 I just, I really think that we still need a forward, a defenseman, and now with the, the unknown future of Tuukka Rask, we should look at goaltending. Um, there's a couple ideas that are floating around. I looked at cap. Uh, sorry, I always say that. Puckpedia.com. Um, 
And there's a really thin market when it comes to that. And But one player I, I kind of am intrigued about just for a one-year thing and maybe some partial work on two scenarios when I'm when I'm talking about this topic is if they re-sign Tuka for another year or whatever, um, you could have this guy involved until Tuka is healthy enough to come back in the spring. So the goaltender I was kind of thinking about was like Mike Smith. He had a fantastic regular season with the uh, Edmonton Oilers, and he's a UFA this year. Could be uh, a person of interest. They might look at the trade market, um, but with trades and so on, it's, I, I don't know. I, I don't want to see pieces be relieved when you need them moving forward. Um, I don't see Yara Halak coming back at all because of um, pretty much what he the, the attitude given losing his job to a rookie, I think that it was a sour taste in the room. Swayman, now there's rumors. I mean, I mean, Billy Jaffe talked about it with uh, uh, Bob Beers on the uh, 98.5 uh, uh, the Sports Hub Bruins Talk podcast, yeah, the hockey show, uh, about Swayman playing a full year in Providence. And I've heard several people uh, jump into my DMs talking about that about mm-hmm. how the organization has already told Jeremy to go to um, Providence and, and be prepared for residence for a full season. So I think that it's weird to say, and I did tweet this out, that uh, Bruins fans are going to lose their shit when they find out that a veteran goaltender might be coming in for an insurance policy, one for to be there while Tuka mends, or also be there as um, as a – a person that could kind of uh, hold the reins for a little bit while, um, you know, Jeremy Swayman still needs to, um, no, I'm sorry. Wow. I'm really bad at this today. Three, two, one. While a player like Dan Vladar is the backup. And that just, to me, feels like a seniority um, move. So, um, you know, the veteran goaltender coming in, Vladar, the uh, the backup, and Swayman a full season down in Providence. Listen, let's let's just get right to the point here, folks. And Heather, if nothing was happening, no injuries were happening, Jeremy Swayman was not in this this regular season, and he was not the backup for the freaking Bruins this year. He was probably going to be one of those taxi squad guys. Injuries got him the job got him the promotion and so on and got him to stick around because he was the better goaltender that the Bruins can rely on it as the backup position over a disgruntled freaking uh Hello. I, I, don't, I don't really know if he was disgruntled or not. I think part he, of he what was happened, he was pissed. He was yeah, bullshit he, I heard. Yeah, well, we're also not in the room and I think he could just be frustrated too He's because a people COVID in the room. and he oh, wasn't I'm sorry. media. You know, like he also, you have to understand, he's probably also frustrated just generally. COVID fucking, it wasn't e- as easy as him as some, uh, not like it's easy for anyone to have like recovered from COVID, but also given his age and other things, you know what I mean? Like that did a toll on him. And I think it's not so much he would resent Swayman as that he resents the fact that he lost the spot kind of thing. No, but that's what I meant. Like, I didn't mean it was right, an attack what, on, on another goal. Right, but what I mean is I was like, talking well, about him being a personal, being a, a, an employee of a company that you, you lost your spot. Right. That's but it. I also not, think not Halak, Halak's not a young, dumb and 24 something year old goaltender. He's seen the gamut and has played all the parts. So like that frustration 
can be a frustration in the moment and not necessarily, I mean, it's not as if Halak probably thought he was getting re-signed anyways. The whole reason we re-signed him was to be the holding spot until Vladar could get enough to be the backup right. goaltender. Right. And then it turned out we needed to have, Halak, you know what I mean? Like it, that. So, I mean, I wouldn't, Halak's not really a, a factor anyways, because the whole thing was going to be one of the goaltenders was going to bump up. Probably Vladar, obviously, seniority-wise and just game-ready-wise, right? Like Swayman. But what I'm concerned about is you go out and get a veteran, and you have Tuca, if, say you re-sign Tuca, but you get a veteran to act as that Tuca role. So then what are we doing? We're going to split, have Vladar split games with him, but maybe not the way Tuca and Halak actually split most games, you know, like 40-60 playing. So then what happens when Tuka gets back now, Dan Vladar screwed developmentally because now you've maybe been playing and now you're not, you know, I don't know. And, like, so. and the fact is that Dan Vladar is, does need the waiver process to go down to Providence and yeah. he signed for two more years, one more season at a two way contract. And um, the final season is a one way. So he must play in the NHL that year. Um the thing with me about this whole Tuka Rask thing is if they resign him, they hold him, they LTIR him and so on, that's still money that you have to freaking manipulate when he comes back healthy and so on. So when you bring back this, this when you go out and sign a free agent goaltender, you're taking on cap hit that you possibly can't get rid of later on. I mean, there's another avenue that we're talking, you know, it's just so many things that could be brought into this conversation. And it's but frustrating. The good, the good news is if you leave them on LTR until the playoffs start, yeah, exactly. then it won't matter exactly. what you give them. Yeah, Tampa Bay. Good job. Good job. But here's, here's my thing about not resigning Tuka Rask. And, I, and it pains me to hate that as a huge freaking Tuka Rask supporter through 14, 15 years, whatever. Oh, oh as a Bruin. But probably 18 years as a, as a hockey junkie as I am. And like going back to his past in Finland as a development goaltender before he got drafted by Toronto. Uh, I'm not crazy. Um, you, do, you do love to guy. Yeah. to what you have, but, but the cap hit is really important to me too. When you look at it as a business aspect, if you want to retain Brandon Carlo, you want to have money available for Charlie McAvoy next season, who's mm -hmm. coming up and you want to do Taylor Hall, and you have an idea of bringing Krejci back or whatever, and then you add on Tuka's salary and so on, that doesn't leave you a lot of flexibility when you're looking at it from a cap aspect. I say, I don't know why I'm saying this, but I don't think that the goaltending was the issue in these playoffs. It was part of it, but not the major issue. We still right. cannot score in certain situations to make ourselves uh, successful. We score yeah. goals, and then we give them right up. It's a defensive thing and offensive thing, in my opinion. It's not a total goaltending thing. Goaltending, very small percentage, yes. But it's not the complete thing. If we can get better at that and create those scoring gaps when defensemen and goaltenders make mistakes, I think we're going to be a much better Boston Bruins team. But you still have to spend to that and get those players in here and involved in a cap fucking world. For that, I'd say... Even if you were going to offer to Garask $5 million for the next year, you save that $5 million and address another area. 
Yeah, um, I agree with you that I th- unlike a lot of people, I don't think goaltending was the major issue in this series. The major issue so, is we had like one line that was mostly doing something, another line that was trying to do something, and two lines that all you were hoping is that line one or two would return to the ice soon. And that's another thing I have gripe with Cassidy. People are not effing around when they say, why the hell in some of these critical situations, especially the top half of the series, where we still kind of had the fight in us and we were, you know, Carlo was still there, whatever. Why are you leaving certain players on the ice in the last 30 seconds of the game? Yes. I don't care. That is, I'm not a coach, and I will never say that Bruce Cassidy isn't smarter than me because I'm not that fan. But I know that's not a good idea. I don't care how effing tired that Krejci is or whoever. Get their ass back on the ice to fill, the, like, at especially, least. Especially in situations in when you were, like, down and you haven't had a shot yeah. in over six minutes leading to the end of the game, yeah. that's terrible. We had huge chunks like that, 13 minutes here, this here. Like, yep. Yep. I, there were, we, I can't think of a good second period we had. And that's an ongoing issue with the Boston Bruins. Yes, exactly. So, I agree with you about the goaltending. Our defense is not deep enough. And I'm sorry, not sorry, but these young kids, again, like, they're not. Nobody blows me away, Heather. they need the help. Or they need the help, just like we said last offseason. Whether you want Kruger Char on your team or not, you can't let that kind of gel on your back end and skill or whatever, blah, 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 like just go and not replace it in any way. And I, I think, you know, that is the one argument with the Miller contract is at least he's a veteran. But like, again, he he's Kevin Miller is exactly what we knew would happen, that he would be injured a lot of the thing and stuff like that. But like, that's an example of we... I feel like this team is always band-aiding the last five years. Band-aid, oh, yeah. band-aid, 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 band-aid. I do want to Taylor give... Hall and them, they ripped that shit off. But, like, I did like what I heard Taylor Hall say. He's not looking to maximize his value. And he even said, I don't even know what my value is at this point. Right. I like what I'm hearing, Taylor Hall. I, I like that I hear you opening a door. Like, I like Sweeney. the idea. I like the idea that he's sticking around for a couple of weeks past the um, the expansion draft to find out what's going on. Because that's when the ideal time is to take care of your UFAs that you want to retain for further services. Taylor Hall is a UFA right now. You sign him now, exposed to freaking exposed to Seattle. It's it, it don't do that. That's a, that's and for the fans that are saying why is the Boston Bruins organization so stupid and they're not they're not signing anybody right now. That's exactly why you want to be patient on this stuff because if you sign. They could come squawking in like a like a, a crow on the highway after some roadkill. I'm telling you. Well, and their UFAs, you don't have to. Like they, yeah. in all essence, have until July 28th. If they don't yep. want to talk to Taylor Hall until July 28th, I'm sure his his agent cringed when he heard his press conference a yeah. little bit because he's probably not getting as much of his 10% as he thought he would. But um, I do have to say, though, like they have to crunch the numbers because on one hand it would seem absolutely stupid to not figure out how to retain maybe David Krejci for two more years and Taylor Hall. Like we talked about, you give him a little bit lower end. Let's see if you'll take the team friendly deal. We'll give you a home for the next three seasons, right? Then we'll talk you making your money. Once the league's making money again, and we maybe someday have the imaginary, isn't it amazing how every time the salary cap's supposed to go up, things happen. Now no one can blame COVID on anybody, but COVID, right? But yeah, 
It's always, or there's the lockout and it never goes quite up as high as they say, you know, things like, oh my God, just drives me nuts. But I think it would be insane to not figure out how to crunch the numbers to at least keep Hall and Krejci because we now have two viable lines regardless of what happened in that second series. They looked good the first series. Things were still like happy joy, yeah. joy, like they had been since the trade deadline. They what? look like they're having fun playing together. A little bit of that brohood, like the top line, like you got to figure that out. I mean, maybe you got to figure it out tighter than you think you need to. But if but if if you do not if you do not have the faith in David Krejci as from the Boston Bruins organizational management view whatever, and you want to move on like you have within the past with Krug and Chara, your veterans, um, if that's the path, the depth does not show that replacement is valid at all. Um, you know, you need to resign David Krejci if you don't do anything. If you have a plan, you better freaking do it um, through free agency or trade market. I don't see it in free agency right now. I haven't looked at it uh, on the um, on the Puckpedia, but um, you need to at least get somebody at equal value, if not better, to work with Taylor Hall moving forward. So, yeah. but then Taylor Hall is going to play a big role in this too because. They seem to work together a lot. I'm not sure if the chemistry in that short time period between between the trade deadline and right now that they've been, you know, their best buddies and they, you know, they don't want to uh, let go of hands for the next couple of years. I'm not sure where we're at with that. But um, if there is some type of connection, then, you know, why not give it a shot for at least another year? Work with Krejci on one-to-one years and then work with Hall on long term. Well, I think I think Taylor Hall just at this point in his career needs to take a medium sized bridge deal, not like an actual bridge deal. Let but Don you know Sweeney I mean? work his magic. I'm just you saying, know, like, I think that Taylor Hall needs to know, like he kind of he needs to know his own value too. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, you right. can be like, no offense, but you're not an eight million dollar player, Taylor Hall, right now. Not because you're not the skill set to be the eight million dollar player, but if Taylor Hall's smart, he realizes the rest of like the real vital part of his career is going to be played under these cap crunch circumstances and nothing moving and all of this. So if he plays his cards right, he might not get eight mil, but he might get 6.5 mil. I also think it's only fair. 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 Yeah, right. Which I think is all on one hand, it's hard to judge from Krejci's exit interview if it's just like. Because I know that Marshan and Bergeron were upset at that, like the night before, after they lost, you know, what I mean? or the couple days before, just about being older and stuff. And I think Krejci probably feel he doesn't know what to expect, probably because look at what we've seen happen in the last few years, just the way like maybe negotiations things rolled up, you know what I mean? Like just all the rumors of how certain things go and not go that that's going to be weird being the veteran in the room wondering like that's going to be extra anxious than just being UFA. That being said, this team has not let David Krejci for the last six years of his fucking career have real wingers. And when you see them together, I do think he wants to hold Craig Smith's hand, who, by the way, we still have signed for two more seasons already at a super fucking sweet cat-friendly deal if he's healthy. You know what I mean? I Yes, ma'am. He got hurt. He didn't quite recover. And he wants to hold date. And I think that Hall wants to play with people like Krejci and Smith. And he doesn't have to be the superstar. Like, just like I swear to God, poor McDavid is such an overachiever. Like, if you just let him be with a bunch of other overachievers, do you know how much happier he would probably just be generally? Like, just not always being that guy. But 
I just think it would be unfair to David Krejci to not at least give him another year, to really give him a year for him and his family to just because he has had a productive year. He's been David Krejci, you know, yes, he hasn't had as many goals, but his point production hasn't been too far off of what he is. And again, is a steady workhorse kind of thing. It's always kind of been, uh, I think it would be dumb, especially because you're right. Like Charlie Coyle is not replacing David Krejci. Charlie Coyle has a hard enough time replacing Charlie Coyle at this point. Hopefully, I'm, gets not, I'm not a pat myself on the back guy. I hate doing this. I'm not going to tweet out like I told you so and so on, like so many fucking other idiots in, on Twitter. But I will say that this is exactly what I was afraid of when it comes to Charlie Coyle, the inconsistency and so on, back when the trade happened. And it wasn't even because, and I hate bringing this up all the time, but you have to clarify everything now on the internet that <laughs> – it wasn't about Ryan Donato being moved and the prospect and what he could have been and so on. I don't think it could have worked any later on when it comes to a cap cap, you know, issue. It was Charlie Coyle's inconsistencies, and we've seen it for how many friggin' years now, you know? So um, I'm not gonna lie, I had a moment or two with that with Nick Ritchie. Like, um, I think I actually tweeted when they put Carson Coleman in because again, I still hold like you can bench Jake DeBrusque and everybody has reasons that they can be mad at Jake or would defend or whatever. Like, we're at, I think, though, that that wasn't helping the situation. So maybe you could have benched Sean Corelli instead and let someone <laughs> else come in for him or maybe whatever. And I think I tweeted something like, unless Coleman's bringing a fucking magic wand and singing bibbity bobbity boo, they're all still fucking pumpkins. Nobody did is you, like the prince of the coat. Did you uh, get into a uh, read any of the like the Coleman freaking hype? I like I like Carson. I, I do like he's Carson. a good interview. He's a good interview. Great kid and so on. But I don't think that he was a savior of this fucking Boston Bruins team or or the particular line that I mean, a lot of people just freaking said, you know, um, he gets these opportunities and he gets these shots, which is good. Yeah. But for me, it's capital capitalizing. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. you could do, you could make all the shots you want and so on and get the chances and, and the analytical numbers as I put the air quotes out, but it's to me, it's like getting the puck in the back of the net. Yeah. I, th- I didn't get well, the hype, but I didn't get the hype. I understand wanting to change things up. And I think we all wanted Bruce Cassidy to change things up. Um, But that's maybe not Bruce. Like you have other options. That's what confuses me is that we don't have the best depth. At least that's what we've exposed over the season is that our depth is maybe not as deep as we would like it to do for more than one or two games worth of it. I like Coleman, but I don't know what the, he thought Carson Coleman was going to do. Like he's, not going to change the dynamic of those lines so significantly or like be the rallying call. Like no, it would have been the rallying call. Charlie fucking Coyle scoring a fucking goal. That would have been a rallying call. Know what I mean? Like that would have gotten them going. That would think because all six players, no matter who they were on the bottom two lines looked miserable because they knew that they were playing miserably everyone's telling them how miserable then they got it. What did Tuka say? I don't read social media because people hate whatever. Jake DeBrus <laughs> made a comment about that. Like, mom, yep. I hate is really fucking hate haters, me, yep. like, whatever. But you know, I, some of them I can't judge. Even Chris Wagner said like, I've been super, the, his anxiety has gotten the best of them at times this year, you know, I get nothing, but that's great. But like, again, maybe then you do put freaking uh, what's his name? 
Frederick Frederick in, whatever. That's not going to change it only because Coleman is so much closer to like, I get he went in because he's much closer to like a Lazar or whatever style wise, you know, to keep that going. But God damn, it wasn't working that well with Lazar then not Lazar's fault. I will say that. If we had to pick three, we can't even pick duds because half the team dudded. But he looked pretty good in his role, but the other, the, his line mates didn't necessarily come with him. Um, it sucked that he went out. I think we, we still hadn't found, but you know what? It just goes back to that identity thing. They actually kept calling the Islanders like the team identity, their team yeah. identity. Like, yeah, like. Oh, you big one three one, yeah. They're robots. <laughs> We're robots. Yeah. You're either a Lamoletto or uh, a puppet, and he's just the marionette. Yeah, well, that is called a marionette, right? Yes, it is. Okay. Yeah. Very good. I was gonna say, well, Lou Morello's uh, Lou, Lou Morello. It was Megan. That's my favorite band, just like the marionette <laughs> Wayne and the Lou. Symphony of Destruction. Uh, credit to Dave Mustaine and his band Megadeth. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Please don't us, Dave Mustaine. No free we love ads. you. We love you. Um, yeah, no free ads, even from Megadeth. <laughs> Just, kidding. Just kidding, Dave Mustaine. We'll totally free add you if you guys are on tour. Um, uh, I um, actually thought I'd bring up Jake DeBrus specifically for a second. Sure. Someone we both like. Um, yep, I fan. definitely get some of the hate of it. Um, Calm down, people. He can actually probably be dumped in the Seattle draft because I don't think he has a no movement clause, right? Because doesn't he have another? You have to just have term, like one year term or something like that. Again, we'll get into that more heavy. But I, I think Jabrus definitely was feeding a lot into all the hate. You know what I mean? Like Tuka's like a thirty-four year old dad. Like he has other things he could be doing during his time off then scrolling through all the Tuka hate that he's been there, done that. But some of these younger guys, I don't think that they, it hasn't helped them mental health wise to only really have going down that rabbit hole. Right. And the, and it said a lot by people, uh, you know, that are um, famous in any capacity that you never remember any of the 300 nice ones. It's always like the ones that are tearing you down, but I don't, it's not as an excuse, but, where do you stand with Jake DeBrusque at this point? You know, I'm a fence guy. And I'm always going to say that mm-hmm. I see value yeah. on the team. I see value on the market. And this is exactly why I kind of think the Boston Bruins did a two-year bridge with him. Um, because I think that what he's saying now that he still has a lot to prove, mm-hmm. I believe that. I totally do. And if he's re-signed, that's awesome. Let's see it. But yeah. This also puts in it as a business for the Bruins management to use that year uh, to their advantage in, in negotiations for a trade. Um, and I'm not saying that Jake DeBrusque will garner a huge return, but might be a future piece down the line uh, replacing him. Um, I do I think that he might be moved at the draft. So I think that he might be an enticing piece to say uh, to somebody that might have a lower pick or in the second round, maybe I'm not saying he'd probably garner a first round pick. I think second and above. Uh, um, I don't want to go any higher than fourth. If he's traded for a fourth round pick, that's a kind of a slap in the face. Yeah, I believe so. I believe so. 
uh, even though he hasn't like exactly proven it on the ice and so on that to, to certain standards of uh, certain Bruins fans, but still, um, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what I it is. Point, I, I kind of, I kind of have a feeling that he might, he might end up out West and I'm not putting the narrative of he's from the Edmonton area. That's where his father played. That's where his father lives and so on. That's the team his father covers. But I kind of have a feeling like there could be some kind of possibility that uh, Vancouver could be calling, maybe Seattle. I don't know. Uh, and um, Calgary, maybe. Who knows? He would be perfect for if we don't keep him. Now, I would like to say I would like to see just let DeBrusque um, – have his last sign season because I would like to point out he makes like way less money than say uh Charlie Coyle who hasn't done shit and we have him sign for the next X amount of years. Know what I mean? I'm yeah, not saying I'm Charlie. Yeah, I'm not saying that. But Debrusque is interesting because I think it, it would probably be for the team and for Debrusque the best thing that could happen is if they're not going to let him just play out that contract and then not, you know what I mean? Like in restricted free, you know, just qualify him low. So he doesn't take it. You know what I mean? And let him go. If they're not going to keep him, I don't think he's comfortable on the right side either. He's oh, been I hate him on the left side, a right side. Sorry. Yeah. He's been, and that is one thing, oh. not in defense of Jake DeBrus. Yes. He's had his struggles, but like, I feel like, People want to always put the hate there, but not spread it around. But then like, you know, if you said the same thing about Nick Ritchie that you say about DeBrusque, which at times he has deserved the same kind of criticism, then it's like, oh, you just hate that player. It's like DeBrusque deserves his criticism, but I think it was a lot for him to switch. He's been his whole career, and this isn't an excuse, but his whole career he's been playing the left side with Krejci. Now this year he's been third line, fourth line, right side, except for yeah. if someone's injured, then he gets to go back. That probably has not helped with all that other stuff, right? So on one hand, I think he should be able to just play out his last year and then figure out what the fuck's happening the, for the next rest of his career. Or you got to know you want to cut ties and dump him in Seattle because he's one of the few people you – that doesn't have a no movement clause or isn't an entry level, isn't all these like, you know, the binding rules to whatever. We can't just dump John Moore, say, you know, but like if you're not going to keep DeBrusque and let him go back to the left side and be that side and maybe the kids that still can have more molding to do to be the right side or whatever, you need to dump him in Seattle because Seattle can eat the cap. You know, the um, he's still got the year. He can, they can, they have to take on so much cap hit, you know what I mean? Before they can vile be whatever it is, like 80% cap of the previous year. Yeah, thank you. I couldn't think yeah. of what the word was. That's all but right. I got you. I, I would like to see DeBrusk back here on the left side. May, obviously, I'd rather have Taylor Hall next to David Krejci, but like maybe let him go back to his, like, it's not even his natural side. The side you made him play when he was a right wing and then you forced him to be a left wing and now you're making him be a right wing again. Uh, but if not, please dump him in Seattle because I like Jake DeBrusque and that might be good for him. Not all the way home where he's kind of under the thumb of being in your hometown kind of scrutiny in Seattle, but close enough, you are closer to your family and friends and like where you're from and all of that. That That's just me. I, I like Jake DeBrusque and... I just want him to be okay. And I do think some of the Jake DeBrusque hate is just because you have nothing better to do than troll yeah. on Jake what DeBrusque. Is, 
what a shocker. For um, Heather, for me, uh, uh, moving Jay to the right side didn't put him in a position of being a shooter. It put mm-hmm. him in a position of being a playmaker for a shooter. Um, so I, I didn't like that from the get-go. I like Jake's game. I like his speed, I like his north and south uh, agility. But I don't like the way he works from the from the wide in. I think that he's the type of player in – I don't know. Maybe it's because he's gotten his bell rung a couple times that he doesn't want to create any offense more up the middle. Where he could be exposed to like some some hits that I don't know. I, I I really like the kid and so on. He's so good. He's such a great interview. I'm not mm. saying I, I interview him regularly. It's I have interviewed him in the past, and I just you can you can see how much of a hard worker he is. You see how much he loves the opportunity, but. I don't know. I also, I also don't want to see him left uh, off the team and walking to free agency after mm-hmm. next season. But I do also am on the fence about giving him another opportunity. And like in his exit interviews, saying that he still has a lot to offer, you put the hot strings right there and say, you know what? Let's give the guy a freaking chance. Who knows? Yeah. And we don't know that part of his exit interview and part of his like, you know, because we see them after the interview, you know, and their reaction. They're not saying what's going on in the room, but a lot oftentimes sometimes their comments are reflective of it is we don't know that Cassidy and them didn't, you know, Sweeney and them didn't say to him, look, Jake, I want to keep you here, right? I like you. I, I get confused with Cassidy's relationship with him because sometimes I feel like he loves him and then sometimes I feel like he hates him, you know, and even though he's generally kind of the same player, but we need to see you with a trainer. We need to see you get back on your game, you know? And um, I think that that's maybe, maybe he heard something that shows that maybe the team would like to retain him for a little bit uh, and give it a try. But I just, I don't think he necessarily was, oh, and this is an excuse I get. DeBrusque has been in the league a few years now, but he is still a young, he's still young. And I don't think he was necessarily put in the best uh, situations to succeed either and be the most productive. Like you said, um, you know, didn't shoot. You can't ask him to score 20 goals or whatever, but not give him the best situations like you do other people. I mean, you cater to some of these other people who also have been sucking on the third and fourth line and nothing they can do. And I get like, you didn't want to bench Corrali because we need people for the PK. Well, here's a tip. We let up three goals on three power plays on one of those games. So the, after Carlo went down, after we didn't have Miller, the fucking top line and Charlie McAvoy are gassed. Okay. Gassed. Crazy is gassed. Like they, all the people that are going out there and helping you do that. I mean, God love Riley. He's trying. Okay. He's trying, but he is not Brandon Carlo. He is not, you know, uh, one thing I do want to bring up, and I'm sorry to cut you off short there, Heather, um, was you remember that 27 goal season from Jake DeBrusque, but then it followed, I believe a playoff series against Toronto Maple Leafs when Nazem Kadre freaking completely like caved in his freaking head. Uh, I think that was a big turning point in this guy's career. Um, and I don't mean to like go by the game by game narrative of, of winding it down to when it happened. I would not, I'm not in the room. I don't know him personally and so on to ask these questions, but still just sometimes the narrative from Bruins fans is that that was a pivotal point in his career so far. And, um, you know, yeah. hopefully that it wasn't something that continues to haunt him um, moving forward because 
uh, head and and um, and personal health are are at the most concern right now, even in today's game, and and also moving forward with science moving on and the game evolving and so on. So, hopefully, it's not like a, a personal and and I, I want to be I want to be good on this. I don't want to be like you know not knowing what I'm talking about, but I just uh you know for personal reasons, you just want to make sure that he's okay. Yeah. You know? I'm sure they all look at that's the thing is that I, I do think maybe there's some hope to see more of like at least some of the debrust that we have seen. Uh, maybe if they can get him a, a, you know, get him a trainer, get him, you know, like hell, like it, it's bigger. It, I would lean more towards it's more leaning, you know, I'm not diagnosing Jake debrust, but I'm just saying all, everybody in the world with all the COVID and all that, like, like maybe he's eating shitty because that's what they can they could do for literally fifteen months. Like yeah, Uber a, Eats and freaking uh, DoorDash. Yeah, like and that's not an excuse. You are a professional athlete, but let's not act like Jake DeBrusque is the worst shape athlete. I mean, literally twenty years ago, people smoked cigarettes between fucking shifts in the bathroom while they were taking a piss. Okay, I, I will tell you a fact that I was a uh, media member for. Um, a Bruins development camp, I want to say 2017 summer. And I got pretty good information from somebody very close to the team that the reason why they did not want to bring um, Anton Hudobin back was because he was completely out of shape. I heard John Whiteside threw a fucking nutty when he came into training camp and that was enough of a slap in the face to say, if you don't want to like obligate your contract as in to be as healthy as you can during the off season and not be prepared for the upcoming year that they didn't want to take a chance on that. But then, you know, Anton probably smartened up, went on to freaking Dallas or wherever he went. I think it was Dallas and continues to be there right now and and doing pretty good as, as a, as an aging goaltender. So, you know, they don't take this as a freaking joke, but I completely understand the times, though, where Uber yeah. Eats and freaking DoorDash are so convenient. And you have more relationship outside the team with your the people that are delivering your food than you do yeah. with the general public in the past freaking year and a half of this fucking stupid COVID crap. Well, and it's been a matter of like, even though you could maybe go out to eat at restaurants in Boston, say that. NHL has not did not allow their players until right. recently to do that. So they couldn't right. even like they couldn't even go to a team dinner. So they haven't even had that kind of normality. You know what I mean? Nope. And I don't know. I'm just I'm not making excuses, but I think either you really have to let Jake DeBrusque just be trusted and let him be the third line, whatever left wing. I was almost said left D, but he's obviously not a defensive <laughs> defenseman um, or cut ties and let him go to Seattle. And hopefully it works out better for him. Fresh start, new system, whatever that is. We're still waiting for all the deets on how Seattle rolls out over the next and, few months. And we'll, in the upcoming weeks, we, I think we have at least a month before the, um, well, actually it's before a month when the teams have to have their um, finalized, uh, protection list, correct? Yeah, it's it's about a month because I think it's the fourteenth or something. So before then, we'll do an episode that w- where we cover that along with other Bruins news um, about who we'd expose and who we protect and so on. Finally, freaking um, you know, 
uh, fulfill uh, uh, Chris Blackie's freaking question from way back <laughs> when we were trying to do this before. We just didn't have time. But I also wanted to make this uh, content for the summer, too, because it's very light in the summer. So you want to gravitate to having as much information as possible to keep these weekly podcasts going. Not only as, you know, I love talking hockey with you. You're a good friend of mine. And I think we have good chemistry and so on. But also obligate to our our sponsor, betonline.ag, who's been fantastic. So, yeah. uh, you know, we're going to keep on doing these. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. But God, I'm so glad our team got eliminated. Now we can think about who to expose in the Seattle draft. There's so many things we could talk about. It's like, you know, no, who do we bring back? You know, let's go through the list right now. Or do you want to do something like this later on? Let's do, do a keep or no keep. We could do a quick keep, no keep. But we don't have to discuss it. We'll do a, a preliminary keep or no keep, right, and then so, we'll do one when we're really looking at the salary cap. All right, you ready? Yeah. David Krejci. Absolutely. Taylor Hall. Yes. You know I'm in on Krejci and Taylor Hall, by the way. Uh, Andre Please. Kasha. No. Nick Not Ritchie. because I hate Kasha. I don't think he had a thing, but no. Kasha and Nick Ritchie. I don't like Nick Ritchie, and I think we can find someone to do his same thing uh, at the same price. But at the same time, I think that Nick Ritchie did have a good season, and he did maybe earn another contract. I will say. Yeah, I will say the same thing. 1.4, probably going to get probably a million-dollar freaking increase. I'd say keep him if he accepts the qualifying offer. But not Uh, long-term. No, 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 no. Sean Corrali. Mm Mm-mm. I'm out on him. I love too. you, Sean, but I'm I have to be out on you. Trent Frederick. People, um I don't know. I think he's too young for me to say not to give him any kind of money to keep him to see. Uh, but again, I, I will hold. I'm not sure he is necessarily he's RFA, so I keep him. Yeah. Um Cameron Hughes. Again, he's another young one, but he's been all like, done all right. I mean, it's I hard want to him see to stay. Yeah, I think he's done all right. He had a good season, right? In Providence, in yeah. Providence, he led the yeah. team in uh, points. Yeah, so, um, I mean, yeah. And these are Zach, all cheaper money people. Yeah, Zach Sinitian, I'd like to keep him in the fold for at least one more year and then cut our ties. Yeah, I like him if you can retain him for another year. Craig McKegg, done. No, I'm good. That was a nice attempt to try and make some depth down in Providence. Right. Anton Bleed, I'm done. You, you know how I feel about bleed. He could have been gone seven right. times ago, and it wouldn't have hurt my feelings. Brandon Carlo defense? Yeah. Uh, yes. All day I want to try and retain him. Mike Riley defense? Uh, I – if we're going to – I would – I want to see one more full season. I would say, I think he's pretty good for a third – uh, to, to especially to maybe pair and, like, patch if Sweeney can't find a better option. Right, you know what right, I mean? right. But if not, like, I like Riley. I think he fits in all right back there. And A lot of these guys, including Taylor Hall particularly, I want to see what they do in Boston during the offseason, leading up to training camp, get that camaraderie going with, with, with other Boston Bruins players because you know how they gel together during the offseason. They yeah. live here. They train together. It's just it's a growing process of family. I want to see all of that for one full season. So all these guys that came in, and I know that that uh, Curtis Lazar took some heat in these playoffs too, and he got injured and blah, blah, blah. But I'd like to see him back in the fold as well. He's got one more year anyway, so he's coming back. But still, I want to see, see how much better of a player he can be with one full season, um, you know. So Corrales out, 
and then we'll keep Lazar and right. then hopefully Coyle grows from a pumpkin back into Charlie Coyle. Exactly. All and, right, getting back getting back to this. Uh, Kevin Miller? <laughs> no, you no. I'm no. done on Miller too. Great attempt to come back and so on, but just inconsistency. Yeah. Uh, uh Stephen Stephen Camfer. Again, Camfer, I don't think makes a giant impact, but I do think that he has been a all to, like a a lifetime yeah. Bruin, and he yeah. does show up when you need him to. So I guess absolute if, soldier if, in middle depth. Yeah, if that's helpful to keep the cap low and still keep uh, that a little defensive depth, I don't have an issue with that. Um, Nick Wolf, I want to yeah. say yes. Yeah. Bring him back for at least one more year. Yeah, another just young a, kid. Yeah, he's just a young kid. He's a big body. He's 24 years old. He's huge. But he, he needs to work on his skating, which I think he will, could probably do in, during the offseason and so on. But I, I saw some good things, but not great things in Providence. Yeah. Um, Jared Tenorti. I feel the same thing with Riley with him. Um, I'd rather have Riley than Tenorti. Uh, that yeah. being said, I, I he's in the same ilk as – Riley to me. If you can't find something better, it would probably be stupid depth wise to not retain one or both of them to help shore that up. Um, I would take Riley over Tenorti just kind of generally, but I mean, Tenorti's a pretty tough cookie though. He's shown times where he can really stand up and kind of yep. give you that grit. So yes and no. <laughs> like, Goaltending, Tuka Rask. I would give Tuka, but I'm talking significantly lower because yeah. now you're looking at potentially being the backup goaltender. I'd and resign him. I'd resign him, but very optimistic on several different avenues of this conversation. That makes me kind of think that he might not come back. Yeah. Yaroslav uh, Halak. Uh, no, I think, I think it's his, time for Vlada to step up. Yeah. I think uh, Halak's attitude is um, enough that Boston Bruins organization probably saw enough of him. Uh, Callum Booth, I want to see uh, involved if he doesn't have a place to go. It's a really low risk thing, but it's a it's just for the the um, the uh, minor pro area. So he played at the Iceman. Yeah, he played with the Iceman. He played with Atlanta too back in the day, and he also played a couple, uh, one game for Providence, which I thought he did very well in, got, and got his, I believe, his first career AHL win. Yeah, um, I was gonna say, but he was the one rotating up. He was. We had right. five. Okay. All right. So anyway, that we're coming to a close. Uh, we have to talk about our Patreon competition. I mean, competition. Yeah. Uh, campaign. Uh, we do have a Patreon thing where you can donate one dollar per episode to our Black and Gold Hockey podcast. And what that is is once you do that, half of it helps us uh, for the operating costs of running a small sports media company. The other half allows us to buy awesome. Um, uh, Bruins related items to give away every week, and we do a jersey giveaway every month. And this is a Johnny Busick signed. I know you can't see it right there, but you can see the. Uh, yeah. There you go. Number nine, Johnny Busick, fully authenticated, and so on, right there. Awesome freaking jersey. Great products from the um, Boston Sports and Music memorabilia. But it's just one dollar to get involved in anything, any of the giveaways we do. Um, like I said, we take half of your half of your um, your dollar, use it for our company, and then the other half we just roll it into buying new stuff every week. We have jerseys till at least April of 2022. 
So this is amazing. I, I can't even keep them on my shelf. It's ridiculous. But I keep buying them because it's awesome and people love them. Um, and I do want to mention that this week's Patreon winner is a Boston Bruins fan from the uh, California, Southern California area, Mr. Mark Balboni. So I'll be sending him a Bruins-related item, probably most likely a, a hand-signed puck from a Bruins alumni member. But uh, congratulations, Mark. And uh, seriously, we are at the end of the season and so on. But honestly, this has been a fantastic year for our Patreon contributions from all you fantastic uh, members who did sign up to the details below and did donate a dollar per episode. It's been a freaking amazing. Um, so happy to have so many awesome people involved in this. And and we're, I'm really happy when I get the feedback, like, holy shit, I, you guys are serious. Um, I got a really freaking badass jersey for a dollar. So uh, something really cool to get involved in and, and like for a really cheap investment to really dress up your fan cave and, and impress your friends and family. I, yeah. Thank you to all the Patreon uh, supporters out there who, I mean, thank you to everyone who supports uh, yes. the podcast, but especially the Patreon, especially, you know, just a little bit, it does help, you know, uh, help keep the content going. And we, I mean, we're fans trying to do this for other fans and, you know, that's, kind of what we do but it really does mean a lot like that you would you know even a dollar an episode you know that's a that's a lot and uh so thank you for contributing yep. a little further than besides just helping us out by sharing and you know listening and all that absolutely and and please if anybody that's that's listening wants to write for us do a podcast for us do uh some video on youtube for us under the bng label please reach out to uh, black and gold productions LLC at gmail.com. We'd be happy to freaking listen to what you have uh, on in mind and what you could potentially offer to our, our team moving forward as we as we grow our digital content. I I interviewed 12 people today for writers, and I think we're gonna bring on uh, probably eight of them in the next uh, couple of days. So uh, there's gonna be a lot of off-season content coming on. Uh, soon with the draft and free agency and and this and that so uh, be prepared and if you're not following or um, uh, bookmarking blackandgoldhockey.com as you've seen down in the ticker below please do because we do we do uh, do some uh, pretty decent work um, covering the Boston Bruins organization from multiple levels not just the NHL but the uh, the NHL product and the prospects around the world. So, and that's what I was gonna say is definitely stay tuned because well I know we're not going away like I said no one's getting rid of us that easily. Yeah. Although I might have said easy that annoys me grammatically, but all the other awesome podcasts too that are on affiliated with the network, uh, make sure you follow all of them. Dump and Change, Short Shift Podcasts, Puck Lines Podcast, Bruins Breakdown. Uh, the Lindra Hockey Podcast, uh, Father and a great podcast. Um, they all are. Um, the Heart of Lions Podcast, uh, the Beehive Podcast, and Causeway Kings. I'm sure more to come and people come in and out. Also, people like to do, you always can maybe hear some of the, all the, the writers and stuff on some of the podcasts with each other. Yep. Some of them do it. Lots of great writers. I'm sorry, I do not have the list of writers. I just... No, we, we have too many of them right now, but th yeah. thank you to everybody that writes on the Black and Gold Productions team. You guys are amazing people. I'm going to give a shout out to every one of you guys on Twitter and so on, but yeah. I, we don't have the list right now as we're doing this like yeah. kind of freestyle. So, so stick please. with us, all of yes. Black and Gold. 
Exactly. We're just we're just two good people and and a bunch of other um, that associated with an awesome group that just love talking Bruce Boston Bruins hockey and so on. Uh, please follow, rate, and review. We certainly appreciate it. That it yep. just helps us gain our um, notoriety out there on the multiple worldwide platforms. So, um, with that being said, I'm the host, Mark Allred, for Heather Ingerson. Thank you so much to everybody who's been aboard this season. And uh, we're going to continue the off-season talk uh, every week leading up you to the 2021 campaign and uh, hopefully get you all informed and ready for a, a new a new season where the Boston Bruins can possibly put together the uh, the pieces needed to, um, to get into the Stanley Cup Finals and, and possibly win it for the first time in 11 years. So... Please go to let Montreal win the cup. <laughs> I know shit. All right. With that being said, take care. Peace out. Be safe. Love one another. It is uh, it is um, Pride Month, so please uh, you know support that moving yeah, forward. That there's week. always yeah. great. There's always great people that we know that. I, I try. I try. But no, I, you remember. Thank you, because that was one of the things we didn't get to say. Thank you. We do love our LGBTQ whatever. I can't say Q-Q. that. Yeah. Uh, community so uh, we certainly appreciate everybody so yeah we'll talk to you later bye guys thanks again for listening to and supporting black and gold hockey podcast please share the show with your friends and family and don't forget to subscribe to and leave a five-star rating for the show on your favorite podcast platforms such as apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, spotify and soundcloud between shows, help us keep the Bruins talk going by visiting our website, blackandgoldhockey.com, by sending an email to blackandgoldhockeyblog at gmail.com, and by following the show on Twitter at blackandgoldpod. Peace out.